Welcome back, all of you. Episode 31 of Balls Deep with Jakey P. Um, I have a very special guest today. Her name is Brianna Bowley, and she runs a business called The Live Free Movement and has a podcast called The Live Free Experience, which I've been on, and we talk about plenty. Um, we cover a lot of bases in combat sports and life and, um, you know, how combat sports ties into life and things like that. And, um, yeah, so she's the first guest, and I was really happy to have a guest on the show. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to keep this intro nice, short, and sweet. For those of you listening to this audio version, episode 31 is going up in one whole episode. So um, you can hear the whole thing here, but if you want to watch... Um, I'm only putting the first half up on YouTube as when this one goes up on the SoundCloud and iTunes. So, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, enjoy more of me and my very special guest, Brianna Bowley. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Balls Deep. And as promised, we have the first guest uh, in Balls Deep history, ladies and gentlemen, the lovely Brianna Bowley. Uh, you would have seen me on her podcast, The Live Free Experience. Or hope you you listen to it anyway, you know. Um, but basically, got Brianna in today to come and chat, chat combat sports, talk about the Live Free Movement, which is um, Brianna's business, her coaching, her, her performance coaching business. And um, yeah, and I hope you guys enjoy it. You're getting somebody else's perspective other than my own. I personally think that she has a really good um, outlook on things, um, especially because I seem to be interested in very similar. Um, aspects of life so um yeah like i said brianna bolly everyone um now i want to talk to you first about the live free movement i would like you to explain to my listeners my small amount of listeners <laughs> what it's about cool um that's a pretty big question so the live free movement is basically it's a coaching and consulting business um it's kind of been like a process of getting clearer and clearer on exactly how that looks um for me it's basically about having people really connect with who they are and what they're here to do um and really it's a space to have people express themselves right for me you know the the live free movement was born about because i felt like as a kid growing up i really didn't have the opportunity to express myself you know um and i mean that in both a small way and a big way you know i remember the, the small things like simply showing up to to school and having you know being forced to wear the school uniform and wanting to, you know, like add my own little tweak to it and just so being drilled yeah. for it, you know. And um, I was constantly like being told off by teachers about, you know, t- tweaking their school uniform. Um, and then even for me, I always felt like I was a black sheep within my family. And so, um, you know, having a family that were particularly, you know, interested in farming and, and um, all of that sort of thing. And then there's me who's, you know, interested in um you know, I was a, I was a, no, I was going to say I was a real girly girl growing up, but that's not entirely true. But, you know, I was interested in makeup and skateboarding and, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things, um, which was so, like, completely left of what the rest of the family were into. And I felt wrong for it. So um, for a long time, I made myself wrong for that. I used to cop a lot of bullying for it. Um, and so I really sort of tried to minimise who I was and kind of fit the box and try and fit in. Um, And it wasn't until I sort of realized that me not fitting in was actually my greatest strength. Um, And yeah, that's where that's where the live free movement was born from, you know, me feeling trapped for so long that I wanted to create a space and give permission for other people to actually really be who they are. 
Um, so yeah, the Live Free movement is really about just helping people to connect with that and helping to show them that who they are as an individual, when they're not trying to shape themselves to be who society tells them to be, um, that's where their power really lies. And that's where, you know, their potential for wealth and health and fulfillment and inspiration and, um, you know, powerful relationships, that's where it all really exists in them being themselves. I love that. That's awesome. Just because like, I'm sure, um, especially myself, can, can definitely, um, you know, connect with that and a lot of people listening that you know especially i don't know if it's just around here or the people i grew up around but i know a lot of people that would definitely um connect with that and it's the like i myself you know had so many feelings that like uh i'm from another planet there's no way i can be the same as these people they just want different things like my parents want different things my sister wants different things and my friends that i grew up with want different things and and i'm like man i i want to go and see the world and express myself and I actually had a motto for last year um, that I sort of dropped off which I'm really angry at myself for um, it was train express create and I'm pretty sure I've nice. talked about that on the podcast briefly before but that was like my that and still is I just don't put it out there as much as that's like the sole purpose of life to mm, me it's yeah. like train hard put yourself under stress under pressure yeah, you yeah. know especially and fighting is the the how can you put yourself under any more stress than that? Mm, I mean, unless you're like performing surgery on someone, you, know, <laughs> you have to be really, con uh, you know, trained up for that. But you, you can't put yourself under any more stress than than martial arts yeah. or you know, really heavy weightlifting, especially too. Yeah. Um, you know, express like everybody needs to express themselves, and I think that's why so many people have trouble these days and have issues with life like i was listening to a there was i was listening to a podcast the other day and there's a stat out there that they reckon 67 percent of people in the world are unhappy wow that's scary shit legit scary i don't under like and i think that that's because there's so much outside pressure from the media and society and all that put on these people mm. and if someone like you and we need more people like that out there that you can help others express themselves and help others you know, um, create a better them and, and get all that stuff from inside, get it to come out because like expression is everything. If you're mm. expressing yourself, like you're, you're just letting the juices flow. You're letting your creativity out there. You're letting all these building blocks for life that you possess that you don't know about, mm. like you're putting them together and you, you know, without knowing it, with it, especially if you think it's not, if it's something that you didn't want, to start with, you're like, oh, no, I don't, I actually want to do this. But when you start to release all that stuff inside, you're like, oh, actually, mm. that, that's not what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And my cousin's a perfect example for that. She's a um, com Adelaide comedian and it's mm. court. She um, started off wanting to direct movies and stuff like that and film. And then a few years later, she's like, nah, I fucked that. I don't want to do that. I want to be an actress. And then so she's been doing acting. And then she was like, no, but fuck acting. Like, yeah. I mean, I like acting, but stand-up comedy is where yeah, it's at. Yeah. And she does stand-up and she's so funny. Like, mm. you know, and it's it's commendable stuff. Like, that's what I love hearing about. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I'm sure you do yeah, your podcast yeah, to spread knowledge. And, and that's why I think the Live Free Movement, it sounds like such a good thing. And I, I love when you put at the end of every post, what else is possible. Yeah, right. Like, Activates the frontal lobe. 
what else is possible if we can do this and we can do this or mm. we can do this or maybe we can go this way yeah you know and i i that's i think that's the greatest thing ever yeah and and everybody's got to start somewhere and then you were messaging me telling me that for any of you that don't know who jean-jacques machado is or frank barker is go check out the live free experience and listen to them go look them up on instagram um because those are two huge influences in the martial arts culture especially in australia with frank and john mm. jacques the whole world mm. um brown has had them on her podcast and had the the um the shit oh, well, i'm mind blanking <laughs> here the you know the privilege to speak with them and and get some of their time mm. and I mean, Frank went off like a firecracker. He was just going oh, and man, going and going. Oh, man, that boy can talk. <laughs> John Jacques just, like, listening to him talk, like, I didn't have training. I did, you know, I, I lived jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like, that's... Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> we were talking about that at training last night. It was hilarious. Oh, so good. Um, I, every time someone would say jiu-jitsu, I'd be like, jiu-jitsu. And then we were all saying it by the end of the night. Yeah, it was it's great. brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I've had some rad people on the show, um... Had John Bernard Wheel, so um, the man who brought Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu across to Australia. Um, wealth of knowledge, incredible dude. Um, obviously, Frank, as you mentioned, you know, he's brought 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu across. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, pretty much the uh, the head honcho, I suppose, of South Australian... Uh, sorry, not South Australian, Australian 10th yeah. uh, Planet Jiu-Jitsu. have had uh, John Jacques, Eddie Bravo's coach. Um, almost had Carlos Machado, but schedules didn't quite line up. Uh, working on Craig Jones at the moment was meant to do that on the weekend, but pff, that that man's a busy man. Yeah. Alistair Overeem, we've got him lined oh, up. Yeah. Um, Kit Dale. Just quickly, so, uh, let's let's just assume he watches this anyway. Who's that? The Reem. Just because you're about to talk to mm, him. Okay. What do you think about after his last fight with Curtis? What do you? Okay, think? so oh, I missed it. I missed the fight. Did so, you see the finish at least? I've, I've seen the finish that was sent to me. So, oh. um, backstory, I've just got back from Tasmania. I went over to work with um, Nat and Jem Frankham over at uh, 10th Planet Hobart. Ran a little seminar for their squad. Um, I've just put a hole in my sock. Um, and, uh, yeah, kind of... Uh, so they had a private uh, coaching session with uh, Craig Jones while they were there at HTC Hybrid Training Centre in Hobart. And... Um, they had, while that was on, they had like a little uh, pizza slumber party going with everyone watching UFC. <laughs> and I got there as the Overeem fight finished. Uh. And then next thing my phone starts going bonkers. And, um, cause I didn't think we were going to make it in time to, to watch any of the UFC. Cause yeah. we had, I think we had, they had an hour session and then we were pretty much, I think we had an hour to spare and then we were straight to 10th Planet Hobart to run my event. Um, my phone starts going bonkers, so I'm like, something big's happened. And I look, and it's just people like, holy shit, Reem just got knocked the fuck out. Um, and so, yeah, I sat down and straight away started, you know, picking the brains of the, the people that were there. And, you know, they basically just said, you know, he seemed calm coming out. Um, but, yeah, um, it was just a dominant finish. So Time to hang up the gloves, you reckon? Uh, I don't know. Um, the last time I spoke to him was... I think the fight had just been announced, so maybe eight, ten weeks ago, maybe. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think he'll come back. Um, I think that Overeem is very open-minded. He's very um, willing to try different things, um, and so I think that this will be an opportunity for him to really start to. To, to tweak his game and to, you know, try try different things and incorporate maybe the unconventional things. Um, 
I really do think it's a mental thing for him. So, hey, that, that might play out in my favour. Who knows? Uh, we have discussed working together. So, hopefully, you know, the the loss will, will play out well for me. But um, I don't think it's time to hang up the gloves yet. I think he's still got a lot of fire left in him. Um, it's just a matter of can he put it to use. Yeah, uh, just... After, after even after that Stipe fight when he's like Stipe tapped man and he I just feel like I, he still sounds like in interviews and stuff he still sounds like he's got his shit together don't get me wrong mm. and like obviously being the demolition man he's still making a lot of money to show mm. um, I just I, I just don't know like it's it's good to see him out there I mean if they brought TRT back I'd be like yeah don't retire but um I don't know, I just feel like it's it's coming to the end of the line, maybe take up some coaching or something or mm. I do think his career's know. drawing to an end, but yeah. I don't I don't think he's done yet. I think he's still got Maybe put got together a few like some big you know, big name fights, some rematch fights or something or like mm. um, you know, Reem Velasquez or something, you know, Reem's on the downside, Velasquez coming back from injury or something, you know. Yeah. Um I think he needs to if he's gonna keep going, he needs to seriously change it up. Yeah. Whatever he's doing hasn't oh you know, obviously the Ningano knockout and then this, um, whatever he's been doing for whatever reason hasn't been working. So I think he needs to use you know, use this as the opportunity to really um, change it up and, and you know try out an, a new method mm. um, whether that be you know incorporating a, a particular performance coach yeah. <laughs> or a hit hit um, or you know whatever it might be um, but yeah he needs to change it up yeah, yeah. but I, I do I really do believe he's got he's got some fight left in him for sure now I do have a couple of questions for you in relating to combat sports because now I can finally nerd out to this stuff because I've got a guest <laughs> that is interested in it too um, obviously you guys know that it's not the only thing that I talk about so I have a couple of oddball questions at the end too for you but okay. um, I just want to know because I know my story um, everyone's stories are completely different but how did you get into combat sports how did you where did you find your love for it you know it's one of them things that I've always sort of been pushed towards but I fought against for a long time um yeah, I guess. I mean, look, backstory on me, for those of you that don't know me particularly well, um, I come from a drug background. Um, you know, growing up in my sort of later teen years, I was involved in a lot of, yeah, drug abuse and, um, you know, street fights, that sort of thing. Um, and through that, uh, my best mate at the time, she was sort of, you know, she's like, let's get into kickboxing. Uh, we teed up this club and funnily enough, um, th this club that we were considering going to is actually where most of my clients train nowadays. So, oh, you know, great. funny how we always sort of end up where we need to be. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of didn't come about. I sort of used money as the excuse. And now that I look back, I realized that that was a lot around fear because I had this, uh, I wanted to really push this perception that I was strong and that I was tough and that no one could fuck with me. And because I wanted to keep that, um, I guess because I wanted to keep that reputation, I was too frightened to go into this kickboxing gym and now be the underdog, you know, now yeah, be the yeah. newbie and possibly have people see through that facade. And so um, never really went ahead with that. Uh, when I was 18, I was dating a guy who was, su he was a super big GSP fan. So I saw a few um, uh, GSP fights, you know, when he was really kicking ass back then. Um, For those of you that don't know who GSP is, George go Cynthia. look him up, all right? Because y'all going to get educated. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, I, you know, I, I remember watching that being like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, these are just a bunch of meatheads and, you know, just, just violence and rah, rah, rah. 
Um, which is so funny because GSP is completely the opposite. You know, not he's the last person I refer yeah. to as a meathead. But you know, he's muscled up. Um, and and at else. a glance, that's what you think. Yeah. yeah um, you know, shaved head, all of that. Um, but yeah, anyway, and so kind of like dabbled then, just because my 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 partner at the time was watching. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I went through bodybuilding competitions, all of that. And what really stood out for me about bodybuilding competitions was that you look super fit, but you're not. And so, you know, I'd have, I was per, uh, working as a personal trainer back then. And I had clients saying to me about how, you know, they wanted to be as fit as me. And I was like, well, fuck, I look fit, but you asked me to run a K, I couldn't no. do it. And so coming out of that, I, I, I really wanted to kind of find the other piece of the puzzle and I wanted to not only look the part but actually be the part you know I, I wanted to be fit so I got into kickboxing um, fell in love with that started having people tell me that I had a, a kind of uh, natural ability and that I should fight considered that but I sort of felt like it was really pushing me away from my time with um, my coaching work um, so yeah kind of just kept it up as, as for fun I uh, had a particular friend at the time who was really into jiu-jitsu, uh, quite high up in the in the ranking system, um, and he dragged me along to jiu-jitsu, loved it, slash hated it. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is one of the things, right? Um, your body hates it, but your mind loves it. Like. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, just kind of, yeah, I guess I kind of just got deeper and deeper into it. And then I really got into it. I'm a bandwagoner in this sense. I got into it when Rhonda was kicking ass. She was incredibly inspiring to me. So yeah, I um, got into it when, because I was a huge pro wrestling fan when I was younger. I got into it when Brock Lesnar yeah, came yeah. to the UFC and I was like, yeah, go fucking Brock. And you know, that's where my interest mm. sort of, it's so funny how that shit mm. works. Hey. So yeah, I got into uh, Ronda um, on a big level and then Conor McGregor came into it and that sold me. And so, you know, really funny because I remember watching Ronda armbar all these people and I was like, I want to fucking learn how to do that. Yeah. So that sort of, you know, got me even more interested in jiu-jitsu. Uh, and then I remember watching Conor McGregor get choked out by Nate Diaz um, and, um, you know, the rear naked choke. And I was like, man, I want to learn how to do that. So jiu-jitsu, right? Um, and so, yeah, funnily enough, you know, the arm bar and, um, and the rear naked choke are my go-to sort of moves now. They're my two favorites. Yeah, so yeah. they're what come most naturally to me. Um, so, yeah, and then basically from there, it's just been like a deepening process, just getting more and more into it and learning about new fighters and... Before I knew it, I was suddenly working with these fighters and, and interviewing these fighters. So, it's yeah. Like, it's, almost, it's like a dream come true, like, isn't it? Well, most yeah. most people seem to think like a dream come true is you have to be hell famous and like on top of the world and whatever, but you can be on top of the world and not have to, you know, you can be living the dream while building a bigger... Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know it's been really weird for me because I, like, I had this real imposter sort of thing going on where... Um, you know, I was training kickboxing. Um, I was only really getting in training maybe once a fortnight and I had my coach like, Brie, you should fucking fight. Like you should fight. And it was really confusing for me because I was like, I don't really feel drawn towards fighting. And then yeah. when I started jujitsu, I had people saying you should be competing and I didn't really feel drawn to compete. So I was like, well, am I really passionate about martial arts if I'm not passionate about competing? You know, and so that was sort of where I almost wanted to pull back because I was like, I feel like an imposter because I'm not doing what everyone says I should be doing. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, the coaching stuff started to open up and I was like, ah, okay, this is my space. Like, you know, I'm not saying competing is not for me. One day, maybe I will. Yeah. But for now, um, I can see that sort of the, the, my, my training is just supposed to feed into the coaching rather than, you know, me being specifically a martial artist myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of just been a natural sort of 
yeah, deepening kind of digging the hole. Yeah. Figuring out where, yeah, where it leads. Yeah, it's funny because so, yeah. it comes back to that whole black sheep thing. Like I was, my family was never into that kind of stuff. Like even when I watched pro wrestling as a kid, my mom was like, "Oh my god, how can you watch this stuff?" And um, my dad would occasionally watch like boxing fights, but that's not MMA. That's yeah. nothing like yeah. it. And then I, you know, was a huge fan of Brock in WWE, and then he went to UFC, and I was like, oh, yeah. wow, this shit is crazy. And for so long, like, I was, you know, the same, like, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't learning it, but I was, you know, like, watching it religiously and thought, mm. oh, okay, like, this is how that works and whatever. And then I started doing Muay Thai when I was 14 because of the whole bullying thing, and um, it's crazy how stuff like that works, and then it was, like... Um, I stopped training because the guy didn't want to train, like uh, the coach didn't want to train anymore. He didn't want to, he just didn't have that passion, didn't have that drive. And that's fair enough. And for years, what, how long was it? F- like four years, I put off starting any other martial arts because I was so intimidated and in starting that new environment. Yeah. And it's really the worst feeling ever, right? Like, because, and I think it, I didn't never thought I was like a huge tough cunt by any means. Like, never thought that, but, um, even then, stepping into Ange, I was just like... Because I had trialed some other jiu-jitsu gyms before because jiu-jitsu always stood out to me because some of the crazy shit they can yeah, do. Right. And they like just they just do it. like It's it's like walking. Right? <coughs> and um, mm. Yeah, but stepping into Ange was so different. Like, I mean, I didn't know Daniel well in school, but like we were in the same year level. Oh, so a, you guys went to school together? Yeah, yeah. Had, oh, a couple no of, um, had a couple of classes together, but didn't really talk or anything like that. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and started jiu-jitsu there, and it's very humbling to start with. Um, mm. You get choked out by all the small guys. I'm still getting choked out <laughs> by all the small guys, but it's it's the best thing ever. It's taught me so much about myself. Like, the other night, I was um, on the bottom in a drill, and I was having a... I started to have a panic attack. Yeah. And I... I you don't can't know. hide on the mats. No, and I just had to, like... I wasn't getting let out of there. Yeah. So I had to breathe, and I had to get out yeah like I wasn't going to be able to and I think that that like I had a horrible night's training that night mm-hmm. and that was only a couple of days ago in fact but all this makes me more drawn to it it's yeah. so weird how that yeah. works like it's it's like like I said love hate right right like jujitsu it's it's one of those sports jujitsu <laughs> you do it so well uh it's one of those sports like you can't hide Anything that's sitting there, any fear, doubt, anxiety, any of that, it all comes up, right? Yeah. You know, the moments when you're you're uh, arrogant or egotistical, that comes up. The moments when you're you doubt yourself or you minimize yourself, that comes up. And so, I love it and I fucking hate it at the same time. Um, but you know, the deeper you go, the, the more the more you fall in love with it, right? So, and it relates so heavy to life too. I reckon, like obviously, if. I seen this thing the other day, it was a video clip, like a meme on um, Instagram, and it was like, the caption was when um, you and your boys are going on a night out, and it was a wedding scene from some movie, I don't know what it is, like, no fucking fight, no fight, and no what, and it was a guy going around the room to all his mates, I don't know if you would have seen it or not, no. but, um, and then there were all these comments of these guys that were like, oh, haha, this is so us, this is so us, oh my god, like, if there's nothing more me, like, tagging their mates, and I, and I just thought... What the fuck? Yeah. Like, why? Why? Why do you go out... Like, people die because of that shit. Like, you are a fucking... 
like what what is with your ego what is with this I have to be a tough cunt sort of thing you you have this like insecurity inside you that you have to be a tough cunt how about you actually come learn how to fight yeah get wrecked by everybody there have your yeah. fucking soul taken from you to yeah. only build it back up because then you understand how to be humble and you people that can kick ass don't kick ass in the street right then they're never the ones in fights yeah. and if they are the ones in fights it's because they've been like you know goaded into it like don't yeah yeah and then they they you know but yeah it's just like i think everybody needs to learn martial or like have some connection to martial arts in their life because mm. it just reflects so well on the world and like you see all these motivational pictures and whatever and like people put that shit out there and and you know um and it's all well and good to read that kind of stuff right but Unless you're living it, unless you actually know what it's like, you can never fully understand that. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy that... I know I've gone down the rabbit hole. I do this all the time. <laughs> it's I go, good, it's good. I open the can of worms and then it's I'm like, good. I brought all my I love the rabbit hole. I'm all about the rabbit hole. And, um, yeah, so it's just, I can't... I think everybody needs to do it because, like... Hell yeah, hell yeah. Like, all my insecurities and fears and shit are on there and I'm, you know, I'm shit... I'm competing at... AGC in a couple of weeks and I'm I'm so yeah I'm so nervous Fuck like, yes I woke up in the middle of the night the other night because I think about possible outcomes in my head and because I think about it so much my body shoots up with adrenaline yeah yeah and, and I'm sitting there it. like trying to my heart's like normal, beating my dude, chest I'm, like, I'm trying to fucking sleep man the best I was awake the best for like an hour that. and um yeah like I think everybody needs to have to feel that sort of thing like obviously not necessarily because they're competing but because they need to show up to class because they yeah. need to, you know. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I think it should be like, if I was king of the world, everybody <laughs> would have to do um, some sort of martial art. And all legit, all uh, legit as fuck martial arts, all those fake bastards would be erased <laughs> yeah. and yeah. they would all have to do real shit. Yeah. Like, they would all have to do some 10th planet, like, no yeah, D. And yeah. that, or you would have to learn Muay Thai or, you know, something legit that we know works. Mm. Um, even some styles of karate as, like, Wonder Boy and stuff show us in the octagon. Yeah, place. yeah, yeah. Because that, that is really where... That's the, the pinnacle for martial arts now. Like, boxing, you've got two weapons, you can only throw so many punches and whatever. Mm. But MMA is like, okay, so let's see if Aikido works. Let's see yeah. if, if fucking Tai Chi works. Well, obviously, I mean, Tai Chi is like a full <laughs> martial art, but... You know, let's see if a taekwondo guy can mm. beat this guy. And then, obviously, Hoist showed everyone in the first um, UFC that he can wreck everybody with jiu-jitsu. Hell, yeah. Yeah, what I love about um, martial arts is that there's so many variables. You know, mixed martial arts is... There's so many different components to it. You know, like, you might have your, your stand-up game down pack. You might be, you know, master at striking. But how's your ground game? You know, your your ground game might be ace, but how's your flexibility? You know, your flexibility flexibility might be wicked, but what's your takedown defense like? You know, and then you you can work on all of those, but then if if you're not mentally sound, you're fucked. And if you your know? conditioning is not good, yeah. if your strength's not good, but you have to have yeah. all these physical attributes. And I've always said that is that MMA is one hundred percent the hardest sport in the world, other than like cross country skiing, because like that's insane if you've ever tried to ski. Um, and I've never even tried to ski I've just used one of them ski ergs and that's hard enough <laughs> but anyway um, like literally you have to have all the physical components you've got to be agile flexible mm. strong conditioned yep. you know um, everything that it takes mm. and you've got to be putting in work two three times a day mm. every day like yep. it's just it's insane to me like mm. there's nothing 
that you can get that's harder or you know more mentally um, that's going to build you up mentally. Mm. That's what I love about the sport, right? Because I've had people, and I've talked about this in a, a couple of, I think, my podcasts, or maybe podcasts I've been invited in into. I don't know. I can't remember. But um, I've had people attack me and say, you know, like, what's your interest in martial arts? It's such a aggressive, violent sport, and it's it, the words. Barbaric. The, the, the words were, "It's everything wrong with this world," and I was like, "Hang on." First of all, you know, they said it was an egotistical sport. And I said, first of all, check your fucking ego because that in itself is ego hiding as, hey, I've, I've completely separated from ego, which makes me better than you, right? So you, that in itself is, is ego, ego, right? Yeah. So check yourself. Um, but the other thing is that the sport forces you to take something as primal as your fight or flight response. Yeah. And fucking make that conscious, right? Make that a conscious thought process. So in my mind, there is nothing more conscious than putting yourself in a, uh, I'm going to say near death. I mean, obviously, there's there's no, well, I'm going to say there's no deaths in, in MMA. That's not entirely true. There have been. I think um, there's been like, yeah, two or three. Yeah. But, you know, like, there's a ref there. It's a yeah. safe space, right? Um, they're never going to be, you know, pitted together until death. Um, well, that's like when people blame the referees for a short, a quick stoppage or something. It's like, um, should have been stopped. Lucky it was stopped. Yeah, a couple yeah, of shots could right? have done that extra damage. But um, yeah, you know, it's taking a sport which is so primal. Like when you when you were in that cage, um, you're in your most primal. You've, you're you're literally you're out to hurt someone else while their sole purpose in there is to hurt you. And so you can take that completely primal force. And make that be the access point into the conscious, you know? Mm. Yeah. And it's so crazy because the way that I, like, I didn't think about it like this until last night. (coughs) Combat fighters, right? So let's say, let's say um, getting a black belt in 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Just because 10th Planet is a system that I know. It can take a long, long time, like eight years Mm. to get a black belt. Mm. But... I think some people were even more, but yeah, definitely. You, they like that people. I feel like people call fighters stupid and dumb and all these kind of stuff, and they're just tough guys that throw throw bones, right? But at the same time, you look at someone that goes to university straight out of high school, and they spend four years there. You can slack off and fuck off and get through university, right? And you can mm-hmm. say, "I went to uni. I did this." If you train it takes you longer to get a legit black belt in martial arts than than any uni course mm. down i 100 percent. if anyone yeah. wants to disagree with me on that you can eat my dick um <laughs> you cannot you there are there will granted be days where your training isn't up to scratch where you think it could be but mm. to get a black belt and to be qualified you know in this uh, art of violence i'm gonna say you have to work hard. You have. You can't fuck off. You can't mm. fuck up the techniques. When you're a black belt, you have techniques. Mm. You, you've served your time. You've got these techniques polished. Yeah. Polished. Like a good marble bench top. Like, yeah. Oh, my God, you know? Yeah. And But people at uni can still graduate from a course getting, you know, satisfactory. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You, you can get high distinctions or you can just get fucking just a pass, right? Totally, yeah. Um. Yeah. But it's not the same with fighting. Like you, 
technically have to be high distinction, otherwise you're never gonna get a black belt. Yeah. You're never but, gonna be Exactly. The top thing of is as well, belt. like, how often do you see a black belt who doesn't have their life together? Very fucking rarely. And the only time you see a black belt who doesn't have their life together is when they're being graded under someone who doesn't have their life together. Exactly. You know? And so like it's incredibly rare. Most black belts have their shit together. They're, you know, they're, they're solid with their relationships. They're solid financially. They've done the fucking work on themselves in all areas. You know, I was having this discussion with Nat and Jem Frankham down from uh, 10th Planet Hobart just recently um, about how, you know, uh, with the, the, the ranking system, they start to consider, like, when they're about to rank one of their, uh, you know, one of their practitioners... Other aspects like their nutritional habits, you know, and they start to see their their um, their jujitsu as a whole. They start to see how they show up on their mats and consider it uh, as a whole, you know, all of life considered, rather than just you know how good are they at jujitsu. Um, and so you know, again, it's one of them things. Jujitsu forces you to look at how you show up in all other aspects, you know, how you do anything's how you do everything, and jujitsu is no different. How you do jujitsu tells you how you show up in your relationships. It tells you how you show up as a as a person. It tells you how you show up with money, with um, fitness, with health, with food. Yeah. All you know, all of those things. And so, um, yeah, it's very rare that you see someone who is is high up in the system and doesn't have their shit together. It's so funny because Dan was saying something about that um, at training the other night. He was like, he's like, I'm not here for your your money. I don't give a fuck. I want to build a fire team. I want to fucking build a bunch of killers. Yeah. If you come here and you've been coming here for a long time uh, or, you know, have a short time and you say you're going to come and you don't come when you're unreliable, like you, or not, he didn't say it like, he didn't say that. I'm sort of just paraphrasing, but if you want to be good at something, you will be good at something. You will show up, you will do the work. Mm. If you, you know, if you will do it. And it, and I touched on this in my last podcast is if, if you half-ass training, you half-ass life. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you... Some people go, and I, you can tell that some people just go to jiu-jitsu to say, yeah, I do jiu-jitsu. They go once a fortnight, once a week, once a month. Yeah. Or they're always hurt and they say, yeah, but I do jiu-jitsu. Or, like, people that go to the gym and they're like, yeah, I go to the gym and all they do is walk on a treadmill for an hour, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they're only fooling themselves. And I think that, you know, it's got to be back to my whole king of the world thing like if you you everyone has to be built up like mm. that's why i think we have so many unhappy people is because they're hiding all this stuff from themselves yeah mm. i work hard at the gym and i used to be one of them like yeah i work i'm fucking grinding out rah, rah. no you're not you can fucking work harder you can definitely try harder like mm. i can never have and this is just a big achievement for me i could never deadlift 200 kilos like i did the other week if i if I hadn't started training harder, if I hadn't started mm. putting more in, like, yeah, and it it's taken three years, but I fucking picked up two hundred kilos the other day, and it was the one of the best things ever, you know. And I think that that people obviously need to be educated because I see so many people deadlifting with a rounded back and you know <laughs> whatever, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Everyone needs to be conscious of their own insecurities and bring it out because. That's what makes me happier. And granted, I'm not the most deep down, I'm not the happiest person in the world. I just, I'm trying to figure out why. But the more you bring out and focus on your insecurities and your problems, like fighting just does that. And it mm. just, like we were saying, like 
if your flaws come to the surface yeah and you need to acknowledge those flaws and you need to work on those flaws like um I have some family members that come to mind straight away I'm not gonna name any names (laughs) but (laughs) you know they hide these flaws or they they um are very selfish about certain things and they don't acknowledge that and they don't work on that and they don't Mm. they're like no that's how I am no no that's bullshit like Mm. I mean, fair enough if this other person wants to be treated like that or whatever, and then that's something they need to work on. But you aren't going to talk to me like that. You're not going to treat me like that. Mm. You're not going to be, you know, um, whatever. And if they weren't like that, I mean, obviously they would be a different person. But I just think some people, you know, like I'm sure you've encountered people like that as well. Mm. Actually, it's funny. I did. Um, so I believe that there's... Uh, there's, you know, jiu-jitsu is the ultimate douchebag filter, basically. I think it was right. Joe Rogan that said that, right? Yeah. You have those people who they show up to class, they get fucking triggered, you know, their shit comes up, and and maybe in that moment, like, when they're in that point of being triggered, they, they, they might sort of react, but they still fucking show up, yeah. right? And then there's then people who they drop out of jiu-jitsu and you never see them again. And it's avoidance. And so actually just on my way here, I, I pulled over real quick to do a video about avoidance and about um, are you, I, I, I refer to, are you circling the bowl or you are actually moving forward? Because I see so many fucking people who think that they're moving forward in life, but they're just on this merry-go-round, right? They're just constantly circling the bowl, circling their own shit. And because they're moving, they think that they're, they're improving and they're expanding and they're leveling up, yeah. but they're just looping back on the same shit, they right? They don't take notice of all these things that yeah. are the same. Yeah. That's like, I think the most common thing with that is like relate people and relationships. Mm. That's the biggest thing, especially if you're raised in a family where you have two parents that may not split up, but they, you know, think they love each other and they think like, but they're really possessive and obsessive and whatever like that, you know? And then you get raised and you're like, oh, I I guess that's just normal and then you go through it and then, you know, um, you know, I went through some insecurities and stuff like that too and then realised it's like, no, this is the mould. I'm breaking this because this is bullshit. There's no mm. way I'm going to spend the rest of my life like this. Like Yeah. And I think a lot of people fail to realise that. And there's, I, I'm way too much of an Instagram junkie. I scroll down way too much. But like, and that's what you see everywhere is like that kind of stuff. And then people, and you, you think, oh man, they look so happy together. They look... Really, they had a shit relationship. Mm. When you actually get to talk to that person, they're yeah. like, nah, our relationship was awful. Rah, rah. It's yeah. like, well, why'd you hide it for so long? Yeah. Why did you... Well, if you're not getting what you need, yeah, that's it. And the, the funniest thing, though, about relationships is that you see people who they'll get out of that shitty relationship and then they'll get with this new person in a matter of months and it's... Every, you know, everything's perfect again, but it's the same fucking person just with a different hair colour and a different name. And then, you know, they'll be with that person for six months or whatever. And then they'll split up with them. And then they're with this new person and suddenly uh, Becky was a piece of shit. And, you know, um, Sam's wicked. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me and blah, 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 blah. But it's just the same person, different hair colour. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And same, so it's, yeah. it's, this, it's, this, it's the loop. It's circling the bowl. It's circling your own shit, right? If you're having the same stuff show up, whether with the same person or with a different person... You're not growing. Those same, it's, and it, I, I truly, this is what I truly believe is that it comes down to insecurities and like, but basically that's it. Insecurities and, and shortcomings that you don't focus on mm. and they bring themselves out and you're like, fuck, why am I back here? 
look deeper, man. Like, yeah. What caused you to get there? Yeah. I believe the, uh, the knocking gets louder and louder until we answer the door, right? So if we don't answer the first time, then the knocking gets a little bit louder. And if we don't answer that time, the knocking gets a little bit louder until eventually you've got a you fucking freight train <laughs> driving through your, you know, your living room window. Um, just fucking get it, get it the first time, you know? Yeah. Use, a, use the pain as an access <laughs> point rather than avoiding it and having it come back harder and harder, right? Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I actually have another question to go back to fighting. This is my last combat sports question is, who's your favorite fighter Mm. and why? And it doesn't have to, it could be, it doesn't have to be MMA, it can be jiu-jitsu, boxing, whatever, whatever. Like from any time period. I got a couple. Okay, go. Can I give two? Yes. Okay. My number one, and I'm going to cop so much shit for this because I get it all the time, is Conor McGregor. Um, because he's not going to disagree. He's what's that? I said not going to disagree. He's great. Yeah. So I love Connor because he's an innovator. He's not afraid to do things his way. Um, he will go out and go after what he wants, regardless of what anyone else will say. He will not let anyone stand in his way. Um, beyond that, I love him because he's a trigger. Right. Like I believe oh, that yeah. everything in life is a mirror. Right. Everything. Everything in life is just showing us more of who we are. And so Conor McGregor triggers people. They either love him or they hate him. And if they love him, it's because Conor's reflecting back to them their own potential. And that when they don't allow excuses to be the thing that pulls them back, anything's possible. And at the same time, Conor's a trigger for for the people who aren't out there actively going after what they want and they don't like him. It's generally because he's showing them something. It's showing them where they get in their own way and use their excuses as, as you know. Like he's showing them their potential. Yeah. And yeah, and that scares them. And so they hate him for it. And then, you know, people, I mean, it's so funny because um, my friend Kayla, little shout out there from the Couch to the Cage, Kayla Hamilton, um, she, uh, she bought me back from the US a Conor McGregor t-shirt. And I wear it simply because I know that every single time I wear it, like at, at least once a day, people will be like, oh. And it's uh. either, yeah, fuck yeah, Conor McGregor. Or it's, oh, you still like that douche? And so with like the whole the whole trolley incident, and I did a podcast about this, he's just reflecting back to us who we are, yeah. right? Everyone's fucked up in their life. It's just for Connor. He has the money. He has the fame. He has the following. It's going to be magnetized, right? Um, so yeah, that, that's why I love Connor. The other one is Cowboy Cerrone. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's okay. just because that dude's a fucking OG. Like, absolutely fearless. Um, Skydives all the time. Dude, just he's just a monster. The fuck and you, you know what? Like for me, I feel like Cowboy is like the male me. Like we're we're born. I think we're born on the same day, or he's born a day day before me. I'm not sure. I think it's the same day. That's dope. Um, and yeah, he's just you know like he's just a monster. Um, and again, he he's willing to do things his way. You know, he fights, and I remember him saying, um, for so long he wasn't doing well in martial arts because he was being told that. Um, you know, you have to be really serious all the fight camp and fight and then and then after the fights when you get your time to go and do your thing. And he realized that wasn't working for him. And so, you know, the week of fight like the week of the fight, he's out there, you know, freaking drifting like trucks and whatever else yeah, and yeah. skydiving and, you know, dive like doing these insane deep sea ocean dives. Um When I heard about that I was like, there was nothing that I would be scared of more. Oh, dude, like he's just a monster and that's what I love. Like he he is a definition of possibility. You know, he's he's basically said, Fuck you guys, this is what works for me. 
Um, me going out and doing all this crazy shit isn't a distraction from my fighting. It is the thing that drives me to my fighting. So, you know, yeah. I, Cowboy because he's just a fucking OG. I would 100% say that I have two answers as well. One would be... Um, and I say, I don't know why people seem to disagree with me on this, but Carlos Condit is oh. absolutely one... Like, he would be my number one. Just, like, him, just yeah. edging it because... When I first started, literally, it's all in his name. When I <laughs> first started watching UFC and whatever, um, you know, because you, you have to, like, when you're a younger kid, you, Mum, Dad, can we get pay-per-view? No, like, it's, it's expensive, so I'd be watching UFC Unleashed and stuff like that. That would happen on TV, and there's a couple of fights, like... And he was just one that I kept seeing, and, like, when I first got Fight Pass, I was just... I watched all of his fights again, just because I love that guy. Like, he... There He's a, so intelligent. There was a point where he was what? I, I now I could be wrong. He was like twenty six and five with like thirteen subs and thirteen TKO KO finishes, and I was like, the, every time you watch him, he's just super super exciting. Goes out there to kill. Goes at, like literally his nickname's a natural born killer. He goes out there to fucking kill people. He especially that knockout of Dong Hyun Kim where he. Throws that front kick to get some distance and to flying knee just goodies right yeah. into the fence like oh my god there was just that it was him and Dan Hardy wasn't it where they both threw the hook and it both went yeah yeah, yeah. both both went for the hook yeah, oh yeah. beautiful I'm pretty sure yeah yeah and it was um yeah just he embodies like everything about being a warrior and yeah and I don't I it I really upset that he has been been on a bit of a skid lately yes. but he um. He really could be the champion. I still truly believe that he could be yeah. the one seventy pound champion. Totally. Um, he um he's so intelligent. Right. Like he, because oh, I, I didn't know much about Carlos Condon until um my friend Kayla. She she absolutely loves him. So she showed me some of his stuff, and uh, I watched a post fight interview, and he just I think he'd just been KO'd, and um his interview after was what did he say? He's, I can't remember, but he said this word, and I didn't even know the fucking meaning of the word. And I was like, who the fuck comes out with, like, such an eloquent um, vocabulary <laughs> after just fuck. being KO'd? So I was like, uh, after that, I was like, I love this dude. And, I mean, not to mention, he's hot as fuck. So. There's, there's no, I like, you literally can't hate him. Ugh. And after I watched the, the Nick Diaz fight in him, like, mm. he had a perfect strategy going in. Obviously, like... Everyone wanted to see a classic finish like he w normally would, but he had so many people come out of the woods saying hey, they hate him for that fight. Like, oh, running man, Condit. Like, nah, man. But it was strategy. He literally, like, Nick Diaz is going to always push pace on anybody and he's yeah. going to fucking come through on hands. Like, yeah. I'd be on, on the back step too, like, just trying to... Yeah. But, yeah, Carlos Condit for sure. Uh, like, absolute yeah, warrior. Him. And number two... Um, and this is purely because I can't, I got a reply from him in one of my Instagram stories, um, Matt Brown. Yep. Two welterweights like yep. that were supposed to fight just recently and didn't end up coming to fruition. But I watched him on Tough Seven, and I just thought like every, how everyone would say everything about him, and he was just this badass motherfucker. Like you know, was in heavy and like used to be into drugs and stuff when he was younger and whatever, and was always in trouble and um, you know died on the table and come back to life and. Now he's got, he's a, a family man with kids and he just loves to fight and he's, I think he's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he's like 37 or 38 now and he tore his ACL so he couldn't fight Condit, right? But usually being that old, some people might think, oh, you know, like it's probably time to hang it up. I'm just like, 
going to go out of my sword. I'm not going to go out of my sword, sorry. And um, he's rehabbing that ACL and he's mm-hmm. like, because he was thinking about retiring and now mm-hmm. he's like, no, nah, I'm fucking, I'm getting back in there. I'm going to fight. And yeah. every day I watch his Instagram stories either with his kids, teaching his kids how to play instruments or rehabbing and training and doing different martial arts things. And I all I could think to myself is this is everything that I want to be when I'm old. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I obviously haven't been in the trouble that he was in, but that to me is like, as a human being, you don't get much better than that. You mm-hmm. don't... Who's someone that is so smart and so kind and whatever, but cannot, is also one of the most ruthless people you've ever seen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like when he KO'd Diego Sanchez, all I thought was, that dude's a straight up juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Catch that kick, just wait, wait, wait. Boom! With that elbow and just... Yeah. On the, you know, and then, you know, he's got his kids and, and like, it just all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, it's just like, people call them barbarians or, you know, they're like Viking almost. But literally, there's nobody else I would rather aspire to be like um, than him. Because he does what he wants. He truly follows his passion. He loves it. Um, you know, and he's got that great family life. And he's always traveling and training and... Um, you know, he gets to go to all these cool places and stuff. And I mean, a lot of fighters do, but mm. he's just a huge, huge inspiration for me. Yeah. You know, like I just look, look up to him, you know? And, and obviously when um, people like, uh, they're just people when they hear that and it's like, oh, you know, I'm just a person. But it's like, no, I look up to you because you stand for everything that, that I myself have sort of thought isn't possible and you, yeah. you've lived it and you believe it and, and that kind of stuff. So, Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. It's all, all about that. Yeah, again, it's just all about that, like, honesty and all your flaws coming to the surface and you're working on them and being a better mm. person. And, yeah. you know, I feel like since Tough 7, I, and I've been watching the UFC, just, you see him grow into this mm. awesome fighter and he's fought some of the best guys in the world and won. Like, he was the first guy to beat Wonderboy Thompson in the UFC. Yeah. Who the fuck's doing that now? Like, yeah. Till ju- is a giant man and he just beat Wonderboy. Yeah. And... Woodley is the champ for a reason. Like, ju- drew with Wonderboy and then just beat him. Like, mm, yeah, totally. And Matt Brown, I'm pretty sure Matt Brown finished him, but I can't quite remember. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. One. I, for some reason, I feel like it could be a decision too. I've got to get fact checked. <laughs> but, um. Look it up, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, to pull that shit up. <laughs> um, okay, so I actually have a couple of kind of crazy questions for you, just because, okay. like, just to shake things up a little bit. Oops, stuck in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I did that the other day. I was like, boom, and I was like, oh shit, the screen's like. Um, no, so. I'm ready. Do you think. Oh, no, hang on. Okay. Why do you reckon we haven't gone back to the moon if we were there in the first place? Oh. You know, okay, so I hung out with a flat earther in Tasmania. <laughs> and oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, you know, like. It was only a matter of time before we went there. So we were watching like 200, uh, what was it? 200 facts that prove that the earth is flat. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know where I sit on that. But anyway, when we were discussing sort of the moon landing and stuff and why it's, um, why, yeah, whether, whether we think it's real or not. So, okay. So what was your question? Why haven't we gone back? Yeah. Why do you think we haven't gone back if we weren't there in the first place? To be honest, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm educated enough to, to have an opinion because I've never I've never watched the moon landing. I've heard stories about like that afterwards, the interview after the guys didn't really see sketchy. Yeah, yeah, they didn't really seem that thrilled. Like they've just been to the fucking moon and they just seemed really like 
you know, it wouldn't make eye contact and that sort of thing. Aliens. So, so that in itself, <laughs> aliens, um, that in itself has kind of got me suspicious. But then I haven't watched it myself, so yeah. I don't. I don't really feel like I can form an opinion. But, um, yeah. See, I, I'm with the whole dark side of the moon thing. You know, we don't. We only ever see one side of the moon. Fucking apparently, the moon spins while we're spinning and whatever. But you know, that's that's fucking whatever. We haven't gone back to the moon because I think we were told not to go back to the moon if we went there in the first place. They're sending shit okay. to Mars, but. Won't go back to the moon. Seems sketchy to me. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know a lot enough about the logistics. I want to get into that, but I don't. I'm not educated yeah. enough on that topic. So, I but I'm gonna up, do some research. Yeah, I look up. To the, um, <laughs> I, I get too interested in that shit after listening to like Rogan and Eddie and stuff. Like, just go deep in that. Um, okay, so we're about to get stuck into balls deep in the news. With JQP and Brianna Bowley. Um, okay, so today um, is a story about a young teenager, uh, Sydney, if I'm not mistaken. Her name was Paris Camper, 15, 15 year old girl. Um, dead. Kaput. Gone. Dead. You know. Um, they sent out an alcohol warning because she died from. Um, a concoction of alcohol in her stomach and a whole bunch of energy drinks and shit. It wasn't very clear about how she died. Like, I don't know if she'd had a heart attack from all the energy drinks and whatnot. Um, it was a very brief article, but I thought it was super interesting to share with you guys and with Brianna because, like, I want um, another take of an opinion on it. Obviously, I mean, when did you have your first... When did you first start drinking alcohol? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a huge part of the Australian culture, right? Yeah, like, I reckon okay. I was 15 when I had my Well, first. okay, so... My dad's a big drinker, and so I used to always swipe sips of his beer. Mm. So I think, like, maybe as early as seven, yeah. if you count, like, the odd, like... No, I'm counting, like, okay, okay like, we'll say the first I... time you got drunk. 16. Yeah. So... And I'm a fucking mortal. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a huge part of Australian culture. For some mm. reason, yeah, we're kind of fucked, um, and we have a lot of dumb <laughs> cunts in our country. Um... But yeah, like you're not really educated heaps on alcohol, are you? Like, I mean, you do your health class and whatever, but um, there needs to be more engaging ways of that. But mm. anyway, what I'm trying to say is like, you see your parents drinking, they have a good time or whatever, and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, I want to drink, I want to, you know, get drunk and have some fun and whatever, and like, mm. you know, maybe throw up if you're not scared of throwing up. And it's so crazy, like, but you don't really hear of people dying that often that young mm. of alcohol poisoning. Like, I mean, I'm just going to say it was alcohol poisoning because that's what the article made it sound like. Her blood alcohol concentration was at 0.4. Whoa! Like, how do you get that high? Wait, and that was after she was dead. That was, like, measured after she was dead. So, like, obviously, that's eight times the legal limit, right? Of oh, driving. Man. But that's... She would have been drinking for however long to... What was she drinking? Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. There's a concoction. Of, they didn't really elaborate. And there was... So I'm guessing if there was energy drinks as well, she might have been having some Jaeger. Maybe she had vodka and tequila. Or, or, yeah, exactly. All that... <laughs> Jaeger bombs. All that sort of shit in her stomach. Like, 
how do you... Because obviously, you know, your liver's working straight away when you start drinking mm-hmm. to get rid of the alcohol in your bloodstream, but... Eight times the legal limit in that lethal range. Like, how do you how do you drink that much that quickly? Like, I know if I like try to chug from a bottle, or I throw up. Like, if yeah. I fucking drink too much too soon, I'm like, oh, oh here, here it comes like one beer bong, and then I'm good for like a half an hour, and I won't touch anything else. You know, like, how did she just keep going as a 15 year old? Mm. Like, yeah, right. It's super sad to hear something like that, isn't mm. it? Like, have you ever known? I haven't even known anyone that's ever had to go to hospital for alcohol poisoning. Mm, I'm trying to think. Have I? I think so. I, I haven't personally been yeah. to us, but I, I've known people who have. Yeah, I, I I can't even wrap my head around how that's possible. Because like, I, I know for me, like being, okay, like 16-year-old female, first time I ever got drunk, um, I remember we are on the cruises and I was just smash, smashing them back. Um and I remember, you know how there's sort of maybe that like lag period where like you finish your last drink and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm fucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I remember just kind of going and hiding in a room and, you know, and like, you know, when your head's so heavy that you're like, you know, a bit of that. Um, a little bit high, how are you? Yeah. yeah, a little bit, how are you going? Um, but yeah, you know, like I, I straight away kind of realized I feel like shit. I couldn't drink another drink if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I can't even comprehend how the fuck that's how possible. How you get to eight times the legal limit? Like, it's just, it's insane and it's... I would love to know the background circumstances. Like, I know, hopefully there's a story that comes up on the with? news. Like, or, well, yeah. Were, it were they like... It didn't say anything about that. So I'm going to check later because this is a, an article that I pulled this morning. So hopefully there's like a better story about it. The guy, the police officer that made a statement said... Um, there needs to be more maturity involved. The last time I checked, 15-year-olds <laughs> aren't adults. Um, so you can only be so mature about it with the very little knowledge you have as a younger person. Mm. Um, you know, like like I was saying, you have your health classes and whatever, but they're not engaging enough. Like, if you don't see your parents get sick from it or something, and that's why some people don't drink at all, but... You know, if you don't see something that scares you off alcohol, you're just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the problem that she had was not her maturity. It was the fact that she was uneducated on what could happen. Yeah. Unless it's suspicious and somebody forced her. It sounds a bit suspicious to me because I can't even comprehend how the fuck that's possible. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah, I don't. Because especially for a 15-year-old, and it, unless she had been drinking since she was like 12, how do you have that taste for alcohol? Like, mm. you know that distinct, especially at the end of your mouthful where it's that little, ah, bit, you're like, mm. yeah, especially after a shot when you make that <laughs> face, you know, yeah. that, yeah, that, that post-shot, post-alcohol, mm. post-whiskey face. And, um, yeah, so it's just, it's insane how, how somebody like that can, can be so... Um, Got like can die, can lose her life from that. Mm. And it's been so good having you on. I'm going to tie this up now. And do you have a song of the podcast okay. for me? So I was, I was spinning. I was thinking about this. Can I go super e- like super old school emo with it? Super old okay, school cool, emo. Go cool. as old school emo. Can I, can I, can I give you a reason why? I would love. A okay, cool. Why. So I was listening to this morning, just like out of the blue. So I'm really lyricsy with with music. Yes. Um. So anything with like a good meaning, I'm like, I'm all about that. So The Tide by The Spill Canvas. 
It's a little bit emo. I never heard that. A little bit emo, but I was listening to it this morning. I don't know why. I just felt this urge to listen to it. And you know when you like you take a song and you kind of understand the lyrics, but then maybe like you'll kind of spiral back around and understand them at a deeper level. Yeah. That's what I did this morning. And I realized, listen to the lyrics, guys, because the message in it is, the message I got, was that if you're avoiding something that could be enjoyable based off a fear of pain, the pain's going to be there regardless. So just fucking do the thing. Do it. Yeah. I love it. That's great. I'm going to go listen to that myself. It's, um, it's super like whingy emo kid, but it's, yeah. it's good. The message is But beautiful. if you can appreciate lyrics, then it's something you want to listen to, right? Yeah. Okay. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, you've got it. Sorry, it was the Tide by... By the Spill Canvas. By the Spill Canvas. Like, spilt some paint on a canvas. Yeah. Spill. Okay. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. You were here. Um, Probably going to break this episode up into two parts because we have just gone on a tangent and a rampage for so long. Um, So I... I really hope you guys all enjoyed the first guest on Balls Deep as you've seen us get Balls Deep in every issue imaginable just then or, you know, into the uh, psyche of fighters and that stuff. The Live Free movement, Live Free experience, Brianna Bowley is her handle on Instagram, isn't it? Yes, correct. B-R-I, I'll put it up, whatever. B-R-I-A-N-A, Bowley, B-O-W-L-E-Y. I'll put the handle in the the YouTube um, description and the uh, SoundCloud description and the iTunes description. So... You won't have to search very far for it. You won't have to remember the spelling. (laughs) Uh, On that note, ladies and gentlemen, from both of us here, peace out.